everyone. It's Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. Welcome to episode 38 of the Ginger and the Beard podcast. I'm AJ, aka the Ginger. And I'm Reese, aka the Beard. And on this week's show, we are joined by Jimmy Lochran, head brewer of Smart Routh Brewing in Northfolk in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, Jimmy. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Thank you for asking. Sweet. Yeah, man, we're glad you could, we can make this happen. I've been a big Smart Mouth fan for a long time now, and we're excited to learn a little bit more about the brewery and also your background and how you got involved in the industry. So to get things started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm local from Virginia Beach, moved here, lucky Navy kid, uh, moved around a bunch and then uh, ended up back here. So um, the way I got into this was kind of weird. So it was a firefighter for the city of Newport News. Uh, I got really good advice uh, and it was to, if you have a second job, make sure it's something that you want to do and you're not making car payments on. So uh, I luckily found another brewery uh, locally, O'Connor. I went over, I offered to wash kegs and then they let me wash kegs and then I kept showing up. So they showed me how to make beer, Uh, kept moving on, got an assistant brewing job at Gordon Biersch, best interview I ever had. Uh, I told uh, Alan Young, uh, my mentor, basically, if I get bored, I promise I'm going to leave because I don't like (laughs) to be bored. So uh, I kept moving along. And then Smartmouth hired me as a full-time brewer and I kept moving on to be head brewer. So yeah, that's That's quick history. Man, that's that's super cool. So I, I'm surprised to hear. I mean, were you a home brewer at all? Home brewer nope. at all? Like, so you never, never even nope. toyed around with that. Wow. Never home brewed. Never did anything. Uh, I knew I liked drinking. I never knew home brewing was a thing until I lived in California for a year, and then I found out people made beer, and I was like, "That's weird." I assume they do that <laughs> in factories. So uh, even when I came back from the West Coast, I still didn't understand the process. I just knew I liked drinking beer. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like yep. that's where it's probably where most people start. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, I mean, Reese and I obviously we're craft beer fans. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing the show right now. But um, he actually for my 30th birthday, I turned 30 like in September and he sent me a uh, craft brew beer kit. So and then he it, and yeah. he also got one for himself. So we went through this like little experiment of brewing just, you know, the easy way, I guess where there's literally a step-by-step instruction manual that shows you how to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, the it's, bru- awesome. it's like the blue apron of the brewing industry. <laughs> yes. Perfect no. amounts of everything. <laughs> I, I've had plenty of people talk to me about those and they're awesome just because you can really start to understand the process. I mean, usually you're starting with a like malt extract, but honestly, like it's taking out a few steps, but you can start building on those. So, I mean, they're awesome. It helps people. Yeah, yeah, we kind of know the basics now, like you yeah. said. Now, I mean, now we want to find out more about malt and, you know, putting together different grains and picking your hops, you know, and trying to create your own flavor profiles. But we're just noobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think we both popped open our first ones and I think almost the same day we're like, that's not good. It's not that great. It's not <laughs> not what I was looking for. Yeah. But fortunately, like the instruction manual says, the handy dandy instruction manual is like, hey, if it tastes weird, put it back in the closet. Let it sit there for a little bit longer and see how it goes. And like, so we both did that. And like, hey, it actually helped. It tastes better than it did the first time. Yeah. So. Like seven weeks nice. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> such a long process, such an investment. So it is. Um, yeah. 
So I do have a, a quick question. So when you were when you started washing the kegs, did you kind of know at that point that that was you know where you were headed? You wanted to learn how to brew, and you wanted to get to where you are now, or was it just kind of like a I like beer, let's go figure something out kind of deal? Uh, it was a, the second part. So honestly, I was washing kegs, and I thought the process was nice, but like I honestly had a great job. I loved being a firefighter. Um, and I kept doing it just because I wanted to keep learning. I mean, uh, I'm just a creature of habit that way. If I get bored, I will find something else to learn. So ADD helps with that. Uh, so <laughs> no, I kept doing it that way. And then, I mean, the Gordon beer shop, it really was just to like learn more and help somebody out that I didn't even know. And I thought it'd just be fun. So, um, my wife is a huge fan of me doing new fun things. And she pushes me to do new stuff. So uh, she's really the only reason I'm in this industry. So because even when I went to Smart Mouth, uh, I was still a paramedic. And I was like, you know what? I'll try it for a year. And if I don't like it, like, I'll go back to being a firefighter. And then exactly like one year later, I had it in my phone. And it clicked. And I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to be <laughs> that again. So uh, I just kept, <laughs> kept going with it. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I I mean, this is a weird question. I've never actually thought about this. What is an interview process like for somebody that wants to get a job in brewing? Like, do you have to like bring samples of your work to show the like when I go for an interview in marketing, I have to bring my portfolio, right? Right. I have to show you guys like all this cool stuff I can write about and <clears throat> design stuff that I've done in the past or whatever. Like, how do you land a head brewing job at, uh, at a pretty like high, not you know a pretty well known established brewery? Uh, so I was there, I was the second or third employee, like that was getting paid. So it was the president and then the head brewer at the time and then me and then another guy got hired the next day after me to uh, package. Um, so I never had to luckily apply to be a head brewer. I went from, uh, brewer to lead brewer to head brewer, uh, year after year after year. So, but me interviewing for the brewing job the first time, uh, it's really honestly everything I said right now, like. I like making clean, good products, all that kind of stuff, but I didn't homebrew, so no. And the smart mouth knew I was at Gordon Biersch. Um, my mentor, at the tail end of my brewing there, I was making you know, 50% of the beer, so, and he was trusting me to do it. I'd show up when he wasn't there and mash in, or he was out of va on vacation for a week and I had to rack beer over. So I knew the entire process. Um, and then I've hired people after me. Uh, being diligent and not being an asshole. Those are two major qualities. So yeah. Um, yeah. being an asshole is really bad. <laughs> just, <laughs> like it, this is an industry. We don't get paid that much. Like this is a passion thing. So if you're not, if you're not passionate, like it's just not going to work out for you. And assholes aren't usually passionate about like making good at things. So nice. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I feel like <clears throat> getting into brewing would be almost like, you kind of have to come up in it like mm. uh, an on the job sort of training situation because everywhere you go, they're probably going to have different ways they like to do things or it's not going to be, you know, the exact same rinse and repeat process. Not to, not to mention like the barriers to entry, which is, you know, having the tools that you would need. I mean, I'm sure having a company that already, you know, owns, you know, the equipment is, is better than trying to, you know, buy it all yourself. I know certainly that was like kind of our barrier to entry until we found this, craft a beer thing so you know that certainly would help i think right oh yeah definitely i mean there's a lot of friends that i've known that have wanted to open breweries and stuff like that and it's a huge amount of money to start a brewery uh and especially to start a brewery correctly so um 
that's definitely a huge piece right there. Yeah. So, you know, so at Gordon Biersch, is that when you decided to kind of make this a career? Like as you were learning the ropes there? Uh, so at Gordon Biersch is when I realized how to make beer. Uh, Cause prior I, I didn't, um, I realized that I really liked the process. I really liked making, I mean, the cool part at that point is at Gordon Biersch and this is well before they were making IPAs. Like it was a clean process. I was really like, diving into a German way of brewing and making sure I understood like why we were doing things. Um, and so at that point I wouldn't even say that I knew it was going to be a career. I just realized probably I was there for 10 months, probably four months in, I realized that I was pretty good at it. And that's like when I was just like, ah, oh, keep doing this and I'll do this and do this. And then it just kept growing from there. So I, I'm telling like the day that I was no longer a paramedic to realize that's the day I was like, God, oh, this is going to be my career. And it worked yeah. out for me, but Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I just want to say, I'm sad that Gordon Biersch is no longer here in Virginia Beach. <clears throat> oh, 100%. Yes. I miss my friend Adam. A yeah. Lot. <laughs> that was such a shock. Like, it was just here one day, and the next thing is like, oh, it's not, it's, they're closed. What? What happened? Yeah. But, uh, so that's cool, though, that you got that experience. I, I loved some of the Gordon Biersch beers when I used to go to the, the place in Town Center. Um, that's probably one of the first, you know, exposures to, like, I guess, microbrewing or craft brewing. For yeah. me, um, you know, it was just kind of cool to, that they had all that equipment there in that location and really cool. But, um, you know, as you developed you know, and learned how to, to brew and now, you know, being where you're at with Smart Mouth, is there anything like specific, specific area of interest or certain ingredients that you're like most passionate about? Like as you learn new techniques or discover new, you know, um, hops and things like that, or a particular beer style that you're most interested in and like brewing the most? Uh, so going back to having ADD, I really jump around a lot. Uh, and it kind of goes well with my, the way I like to make beer and that's for everyone. So, um, my parents live here. My dad doesn't drink IPAs. My mom doesn't drink IPAs. So if I only made IPAs, which was probably 50% of the beer I make or drink, yeah. like they wouldn't come drink my beer. So I really, I try very hard and I pride uh, myself and the brewery on like making beers for everyone. So, uh, you know, we our number one selling beer is Alter Ego Saison, but then Murphy's Law, uh, Safety Dance Pilsner, make IPAs all the time, Brew Goza's, Barrel Age things. I mean, there's everything I try. Uh, I try to do genuinely, and that's probably the major key factor uh, that I kind of like focus in on. So um, there's a lot of breweries that'll throw things in beer just for the fun of it and oh yeah they won't like plan the whole thing out and realize what they're trying to do um and then they have problems and they make bad beer and they make exploding beer cans and stuff like that and i'm oh, not geez. a fan of that lifestyle so um i mean i've done silly things but if it makes me laugh and is genuine then i'm definitely down for it so yeah it's awesome i think we're actually going to touch on some of that stuff later on we've got of some course. stuff to, to talk to you about <laughs> um yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really cool, man. I like the brewing, make, making beer for everyone. And I guess we should go ahead and mention out too, the Beard and I both are drinking Smart Mouth right now. Yeah. Um, I picked up from the Pilot House last weekend. I think it was last weekend. Um, this is the Phobophobia Black IPA, um, which I have never really, I don't know if I've actually ever heard of Black IPA before seeing this one. Number one, the can design is freaking amazing. So whoever designed this, like make sure you keep them around. This is awesome. Thank you. Um, you know, but and it tastes delicious. So I'm a huge IPA guy as well. Uh, Reese, on the other hand, is the Goza guy. 
um you know so it's multi beer and goes nice. yeah 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 so and then reese what do you what do you what do you have in sir? so i have the the holiday the holiday helper here which um uh, jimmy just explained to us uh, used to be uh, kind of like a one-off and now it's more seasonal uh so cool to see this it's a uh, 6.8 abv 70 ibus it's a uh, red india pale ale um got a cool little festive uh, logo on it that's nice you know i like the color of the can um tastes good too so yeah, you should try it. Yeah, if you haven't, listeners. <laughs> that one, um, which I just as we were talking before the show, I had that one earlier today also, just by chance, and uh, very malty. Like the the malt, you know, it's it's hoppy. It smells super malty, and then the the hops is what stands out the most. Well, for me, when I had it earlier today, um, very yeah. very delicious. At seventy IBUs, it's like a little bit out of my normal range. Like I can usually handle up to like twenty, and then it's like okay. <laughs> But you know this is this is smooth. I can handle this. Um, but I've also been trying to drink more IPAs, you know, more more ales. So I think I've been kind of like tempering myself for this. But um, I actually went out like three hours ago and picked this up and like got it in the fridge, got it cool cooled off just in time, you know. So I'm very happy yeah. that I'm that clutch I have it now. clutch purchase. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you know, starting out and and you know, working your way up into smart mouth and things like that. How does, how have your like interests, you know, coming from just being a fan of craft beer, loving drinking craft beer and now making craft beer, how has your style preferences changed? And does the brewing have like a direct impact on that? Like you say, you're a big IPA fan. Were you a big IPA fan before you started to brew? Um, Or have you experienced new things and like come around to other flavors that before you weren't really interested in? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, my palate has definitely changed drastically. So in college I was drinking uh, natural light. I don't know if you've heard of it, but, uh, it's, it's quite delicious. It tastes like water. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so it, it was when I went to California, uh, I drank fat tire. I thought it was amazing. Uh, I still didn't know necessarily what I was drinking, but, um, I mean, yeah, it's just continuously grow, uh, grown over time. Um, and IPAs have grown over time as well. So like, you know, both beers you're drinking right now, the black IPA and a red IPA, those have been around for a while. There's tons of bitterness and obviously, you know, the hazy juicy train has gone on. So uh, I've definitely paid attention to new styles. I've definitely experimented uh, with new styles and trying to make new things. Um, you know, uh, we were just speaking of Gozas two seconds ago, like I make an Imperial Goza, which isn't really a thing, but I kind of wanted to like push it and there was a reason i wanted to push it uh and i wanted to try new things that way um trying uh, it's really just that i mean i like to make traditional beers i mean pilsner uh hellas all those styles are great but like when you start getting to the american side of things and that's what americans definitely brought to the brewing world is like taking something tweaking it a little bit of your own way and trying to like keep pushing at different boundaries so could you maybe expand on the imperial goza a little bit um because i've never heard of that before of course yeah uh so like a goza uh, traditionally you know you're at like the five percent range or something like that and uh, an imperial goza it does not have like or a goza in general does not have all the fruit that we put in them so um it's really just usually coriander and salts and then you kind of enjoy it but uh, the fruit thing has like definitely caught on. Uh, it's definitely not even a style that I drink and I have no problem really saying that. But as I said, I like to make beer for everyone. So my brother-in-law, it's one of his favorite styles. So, 
with that said, uh, I made an Imperial Goza. The first one I made was uh, Snorkosaurus, which is uh, named after Dino from Flintstones. And uh, I just wanted to make, I was like, cool, if I am to drink one of these, I'm definitely not drinking if it's 5%. So I forget what that one was. It was like 7.5%, which nice. once again, it's it's not a real thing. But I just like, yeah, we're going to call it an Imperial Goza. So we have a file on our computer or we have like a shared program that like I put all my beer styles in and I'll randomly like put a beer style in and they're just like, we can't find information. I was like, I, I know it's not a real thing, <laughs> but we're just going to keep doing it. So they've gotten used to that now, but there was a lot of times people would ask me lots of questions. So, well, they had to start somewhere, right? Goza just didn't yeah. pop up overnight. So an Imperial exactly. Goza, you're, you're, you're leading the way, right? <laughs> no, I'm sure someone else did it too. I mean, it's just my reason to do it but yeah it's fun i mean that's we're not curing cancer we're making beer so if it's not fun like we probably shouldn't do it so yeah yeah yeah. i think that's like one of the coolest things about i mean the more we the longer we do this podcast the more beers i mean we drink a new we drink a different beer every single week most of the time it's one that we've never had before so just getting to experience all these different breweries and different types of beers and for myself pushing my own you know, limits and preferences. Like I, it's, it's weird. Cause Reese and I kind of mirror each other, right? Like he doesn't like the bitter stuff. I'm all about the bitter stuff, but I try to, now that it's falls coming around, I'm trying to push myself more into stouts and porters and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, he's always trying to get me into the sours and which I did, I did try more sours and gozas over the summer. Um, while they're like in season, I guess, but, <clears throat> um, you know, you see some weird stuff out there sometimes. Like I think stone had a, uh, a uh, hazy coffee IPA. Yep. They collaborated with, I think it was Modern Times. Yeah, it was like Gargoyles or something like that. I bought it. I drank it. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. But like, I remember if I went back, if you go back and watch that episode, like the first sip, I was just like, I don't even understand like what flavors <laughs> in my mouth right now. Like I've had coffee porters, coffee stouts, like all this stuff. But like you put bitter hops with, with coffee, like it just blew my taste buds, you know, like blew my mind for a second. I was yeah. like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to make of this, but as I, I, as I continued to drink it, I was like, okay, I can, I can get with this. Well, and that's cool that you, yeah. So, I mean, I remember that beer cause I bought it uh, to bring into the brewery cause it was an interesting idea, but they were trying to play off the acidity, right? So the acidity of coffee, uh, while it was probably cold brewed, it wasn't really there and it played off the sour aspects of the Goza and that's what they were kind of trying to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, and what I, I got really excited cause you brought up, like you push through it. And I think that's what a lot of people don't necessarily do. So like the first time you drink a sour, especially it's going to coat your mouth and you're going to be freaked out cause you're not used to it. And then yeah. most people are just like, yeah, that's not for me. And then I'm be like, N- take another sip. Like just yep. not, your mouth's not used to it. And you're like, oh that, yeah. I remember the first time I had a Guinness, like I was, tw- it was my 21st birthday. I was like, this is gross. And then by the end, I was like, mm, that was pretty delicious. It was milky. And then I had another one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one one that I haven't been able to push through yet is the spicy beers, you know, with the peppers and stuff. Um, yeah. I was Me telling Reese the other day. Yeah. I was like, dude, I had, um, well, you're probably familiar with the Tradition Brewing in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. They have a uh, ghost pepper lager. And I feel so bad saying this and admitting it. I we so on our show, you know, we put up polls usually on Thursdays before our Friday episodes, and we asked people to vote on what they want either of us to drink for that episode, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of an engagement thing. But 
Yeah, so I put this this ghost pepper logger up like for a few weeks in a row, and it never got selected, even though the beard was always voting every on it. Every time I trying, voted for it, <laughs> trying to he's trying it. to light me up. Yeah. Um. So eventually, I just it's in my fridge, and one day I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and drink this thing. And uh, I've had like you know jalapeno, habanero stouts and stuff before, but this ghost pepper logger was like next level spicy. Like mm-hmm. I took this first sip. And just the burn all the way down. I was just like, I told my wife, I was like, I feel so bad doing this, but I like, there's just literally, I can't do, I can't drink this. I had to pour it out. I felt so bad, but um, pouring out a craft beer is something that doesn't come easy for me. But, no, I get it. Yeah. You know, something you got to have limits, right? So I, I don't yeah, think exactly. I could do it either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, have you done a, have you done a pepper lager or anything like that before? No, not pepper lager. Uh, I've done a pepper stout. Uh, it was uh, Riba Grande. It was with coffee and three different types of peppers. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, I had a 10 ounce. Every beer we ever make, obviously, I sample several times and I'll have a 10 ounce sooner or later. But um, my taste room manager, Clint, is a huge fan of it, a uh, fan of the style. So I actually brewed it a second time, too. I think he took a case home to make sure he had it for a long time. But um, as I said, uh, yeah, it's. Not for me, but I'd love to try it and experiment with it. So, yeah. yeah. So is there like a, do you think there's like a, I don't know, like a subgroup out there that just really enjoys those? Did Like, did it do well? Yeah, they're masochists. Oh, got it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, no, there's a huge, I mean, to be honest, like we get tons of messages about like beers we make and stuff like that. And that one, I mean, it's a very small group, but like, yeah, they get excited for it. So, um, you know, and it, with a pepper, it's going to fit differently with different styles. For me, I would put it with a stout just because I want that maltiness and I want the any sweetness, any chocolatey like flavor to go with it. So, yeah. um, but I mean, good job on Brian for putting in a lager. So, nice. oh, is that is that at um is that that brewer yeah yeah tradition? Brewer, sorry <laughs> yes. awesome cool yeah I mean <clears throat> again I felt bad pouring that thing out and hopefully if he ever hears this he doesn't he's not offended but. It is, that's the thing, man. It's just certain styles are for certain people. Um, and I'm kind of like, yeah, same way with food. I'll try any, I'll try anything once. Right. Mm-hmm. I've tried escargot. I've tried like all kinds of crazy foods. Um, I'll try any beer most, most of the time. Um, at least once, you know, if it's not for me, it's not for me, but yeah, I think the stouts make a lot of sense with the sweetness and maltiness to kind of balance out that spice, but yeah. I'm not a big spicy food guy in general. So maybe people out there who are all about that, you know, oh, maybe that's for them. I'm all about spicy food. I'm not about spicy beers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, we're kind of, you know, I don't know if we're being critical of, of beers, but I guess being a brewer, I'm sorry, a brewing professional, is it hard for you to drink a craft beer without being hypercritical about the flavor, you know, maybe the technique, um, you know, anything that goes along with that? Uh, I would say it's like 50, 50. I mean, it matters why I'm drinking the beer. Right. So, um, I have no problem saying it. Uh, everyone has a cheap beer that they drink. And if they say they don't, they're liars. So I mean, my cheap beer to drink is my beer because it's free. But then outside of that, <laughs> I still have. Uh, I drink Coors Banquet. So like, I'm not thinking about Coors Banquet when I drink Coors Banquet. Like, I thought about that a long time ago. It drinks fine. So, um, but no, there's plenty of times that I'm sitting there. You know, I was just in Baltimore this past weekend. And uh, we went to three different breweries and I definitely sat there and judged each brewery a touch each time. So uh, it doesn't mean that I'm going to not drink it or not try another one of their beers, but uh, I can definitely see faults in plenty of other people's beer. Just same as if another brewer drank mine, they'd find faults. I mean, it just kind of happens. So uh, a buddy of mine 
knocked Safety Dance uh, Pilsner, and then it won Best Beer in the State. So like, it's, <laughs> oh. you know, it, it's totally fine. Uh, and he's an awesome guy, and I love it because uh, when it won GABF, he texted me, and then I said the same exact comment that he said about it the first time, and it was just a laugh. Because to be honest, my friends, I'd rather them say something bad about me beer or. Uh, to, honestly, some of my brewers, uh, my Lee Brewer or any of them, if they say something bad about the beer we created, I'd like to hear those things because then either one of two things as a head brewer, I'm going to defend it. We made that decision for a reason or the other side is oh, you're absolutely right. We should if we make this again, we need to tweak this or we're going to tweak. We're not making this beer again, but we're going to make something like this in six months and let's tweak these aspects. So what are what are some examples of maybe what? you're picking up on when you're drinking other beers that you would be critical of. And then along with that, if you got that type of critique from your internal team, you know, what are some like slight changes that you would have to make um, to improve upon it? Could you give us some examples? Um, yeah. So like internally last year we made, uh, we make summer fling, it's Hefeweizen. And then last year we made tropical fruit summer fling. So we added a bunch of uh, fruit to it. Um, and then it turned out fine. I mean, so like I grade our beer, you know, the normal A, B, C, D, whatever. Uh, and uh, I talked to uh, Jared, Millie Brewer, and I was like, if we did this again, what would you do? Because I already knew what I wanted. We talked about like the flavor development. And we realized like there was a nice sweetness there, but like we needed a tart aspect to it. And I think it would have like mellowed out that fruit that kind of was going a little bit haywire because of the bananas and then all the fruit that we added inside. Uh, so if we did that again, like that's what we would do. Uh, we would, there's different ways to make your beer tart, uh, maybe blending in a goza. There was different things we played around with. And then from there, we're not making that beer again, at least not in 2021. Um, but if we make something like that, we have already started a couple in-house experiments to like try to mix things around and see if we can improve it. So, um, okay, when I go cool. to, yeah. So when we go, when I go to another brewery, I mean, I can, I can kind of tell maybe they, I went to, I, I, when we were in Baltimore, there was a place that had a hazy IPA and I was drinking a quad that I wanted to try, but my, I bought my buddy a pint and it came. And then I like looked at the bartender and I looked at my buddy and then I was like, cool. I'm glad they added, you know, tons of crystal malts to this beer. Crystal malt is not supposed to be in a hazy, juicy IPA. Caramel malt is... It added, I mean, the beer was red, it was malty, it tasted more like an orange pithy kind of thing, but it wasn't great. And like, I mean, that's just an easy one, just be able to see it and kind of know right away that that's not something you should be having. Uh, and I think a lot of people use like to use buzzwords like hazy IPA or whatever, yeah. but that's, that's not what that was. They could have called it something else uh, and it probably would have been better, but it was just bad to misleading misleading yeah. Yeah, yeah misleading right yeah yeah so that actually dovetails dovetails perfectly this is what i was alluding to earlier you know on your website it says you guys focus on flavor over flash and so one thing that we've talked about a ton on this show is that breweries more now more than ever have to find ways to make themselves stand out on the shelves you know and using those bud buzzwords with flashy label designs you know all kinds of crazy flavors how do you guys stay true to that philosophy of not relying on gimmicks while still being one of the most popular breweries in the area? You know, I mean, like I said, they've got, we got the hazy coffee IPAs and these, these pepper, pepper loggers and all these crazy, like polarizing sort of flavors. 
um, you know, these crazy smoothie beers and, and things like that. Um, you know, what, what do you, what do you, how do you stay true to that sort of philosophy yeah. while still remaining competitive? Of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, so internally, like, I mean, we make plenty of those styles and it's all just for one-offs and fun stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm sure at some point we're going to talk about Saturday morning or whatever, and that's going to come up for the marshmallows. But like, I think the major thing for me is the majority of the beer I make and a vast majority are just clean, easy drinking beers of some variety. So um, experimenting and trying these things out is great, uh, but it's more of like, what's your real core to of what you're doing? And are you doing it for a reason? Um, and I mean, that's really it. So we've had discussions internally about beers and then I've just said, no, like it's not, it's not my style or it's not genuine. And, uh, I've, I've shot down beers where like, yeah, but we can make money off this. And I'm like, are you excited for this beer? And they would say no. And I'm like, I'm not excited to make it. You're not excited to sell it just because we're making money off of it. Let's find something else and we'll find something else. It's, it will do it that way. So, uh, and I think beer, you know, it is whatever people are doing that is crazy, but I think that's just society right now too. So like whoever's the loudest everyone <laughs> stares at, uh, if you watch sports and you guys do on ESPN, whoever's shouting the loudest, all of a sudden Stephen A. Smith, you're like, Oh, that guy has an opinion. It's like, yeah, but you're just loud. Like it doesn't really mean anything. So yeah. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen A. Smith holds a special place in MMA fan hearts right now. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. You know, I mean, like I said, the flashy label designs, you know, um, it's really about, I, I didn't even understand like this subculture of craft beers until like we started this podcast, but like following all these people on Instagram, mm-hmm. people who review beers, breweries from across the country, you know, beer website, you know, all these different things. Like you see these ridiculous beers that like don't even make sense. And you're like, how is that a beer and not like a dessert? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, the thickest thing you've ever seen. It looks like a milkshake. Legit. I mean, there's plenty of milkshake, you know, IPAs and things that, you know, have lactose and whatever, but, um, you know, so I've always just wondered if, if like beer is becoming such a, like a cultural item, it seems like where it's almost like food. It's like, let me find the place that puts out the craziest looking biscuit. That's like giant. And I can take a picture of it and I can get, 25 likes on instagram and beer is like almost the same way now it's like let me find the most ridiculously colored beer like a blue beer that's got like legit whole blueberries in it or like something silly you know so that i can post it on instagram and like get a bunch of likes as opposed to like a quality consistent you know clean traditional beer you know so that's uh, impressive well it's also i mean let's be honest like you know, we all probably eat the same things all the time, but you even said you try new things and that's like the whole point, right? So like, yeah, I, I really just drink IPAs and easy drinking lagers, but like, I'm going to try all those other fun things, same as you're trying escargot and, or anything of that variety. So, I mean, beer and food, uh, I mean, they go hand in hand. So yes, right now it is who's the biggest and loudest, but like when I look at my beer sales at the end of the day or the end of the week, like it's always the easy drinking or the normal beers. Like, you know, there'll be a, a small pop of something fun, but then really people are always going to go back to their traditional thing. So I find that I'm doing that more often now uh, as well, where when I first started getting into this, it was always like, Oh, I want to try something crazy and new. 
And now it's like I find myself kind of like settling with like a Hefeweizen more often than not because it's kind of like just middle of the road. You know, it's not a light. It's not a light beer. It's not something crazy. But, you know, it's got usually they're, you know, pretty good, you know, middle of the road beers. Um, um, so the more that we've been, you know, talking about people involved with the industry and you've been kind of talking about some of the ingredients that you use and, you know, certainly AJ and I have had a, a little bit of experience uh, with some ingredients or at least seeing those, um, the more we're kind of realizing that the quality of beer relies heavily on the ingredients used. So being in coastal Virginia surrounded by salt water, is that a good location for water to brew with? Uh, yeah, I mean, the water that we use is the same water like you would get at the taps, but I also filter it prior, right? So I'm trying to get a, rid of chlorine and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, back in the day, you know, cores would be in the mountains. They had like clean water and they were like, there was less things they had to do to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, Virginia Beach and Norfolk both have an amazing water because it's nothing. Like there's no real flavor to it. It's not too hard. It's not too soft. There's nothing like that. So um as a brewer i get to actually mess with the water so if i want to make it a little bit softer than i can or if i want to make it a little bit harder i can uh and i'll add brewing salts to them so i really enjoy hampton roads water because uh initially when i got in i didn't know anything about water and i kept growing and growing and then finally when i was like all right i'm gonna start adding brewing salts and then i like got our water report i was like this is like a perfect palette of or blank like i can do whatever i want with it so um it's cool in that sense because I, I messed around with come a couple of our core beers and didn't tell uh, anyone outside the brew house uh, that we were doing it. Uh, and I had a couple people being like, hey, Notch 9's tasting like like juicier. And I was like, oh, really? And they're like, what would you do different? I was like, nothing. Like, I just wanted to like <laughs> – it was the, like the perfect like great. Like we know what we're doing and we're messing around with this properly. So, yeah. So does having like a blank slate of like just baseline water – kind of i guess impact it all the way to the end when you're when you're sipping on it like yeah definitely so i mean there's times too we were talking about like when we're tasting other brewers uh beer like i'll taste if they over corrected or something like that with like brewing salts um especially on like hazy ipas are trying to like get it to be softer but you can get to a point where you add too much and you get like chalky kind of flavors to it Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, having it blank is by far the best. Um, I've talked to other brewers in other parts of the country, and they're like, yeah, we the amount that we have to do to either filter our water or we can't push the envelope the way we, you know, would like to because of it. So so do you do you ever use distilled water? No. Or is that a, that's kind of a no, yeah. no, I mean, no go? It's the water that comes in. I have a charcoal filter to clear a bunch of stuff out, and then I have another, another water filtration, and then we're good to go. Got it. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, one of the one of the earliest another early experience of uh, craft beers for me is Devil's Backbone. Like yeah. Vienna Lager was like my first entryway into like craft beer. Um, and they actually, I'm from Rockbridge County, which is like Lexington, Virginia, Buena Vista. Yep. Um, I'm from Buena Vista, technically, not technically. That's where I'm from. Um, but anyways. Yeah, they're in Lexington where they have like the outpost, I think is what they call it, in yep. Lexington and the, the main breweries in Nelson County up in the mountains. Um, and one of the coolest things that when I did the tour there was like they talk about using Rockbridge County water. And it's like, hey, if you are, you know, wherever in the country you drink Vienna Lager, you're drinking Rockbridge County water. And like that just hit home for me. I was like, that's super cool, man. Like I can go here in Virginia Beach and go pick up some Devil's Backbone. I'm drinking water from like back home. That's super cool. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, the same thing with the grains or whatever. I don't know where they get their actual grains from, but they actually told us that they recycle their used grains Mm -hmm. for like farms in the area. Like it goes to feed, you know, different animals or whatever. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Ours is just same. Ours goes to the pig farmer, Tommy down in Chesapeake to cows and pigs. I bought a quarter pig off of him once. It was nice. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Tommy, the pig farmer. Yeah. That's super cool, man. We gotta call Tommy up, do some barbecue soon. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. This is, that's exactly how it sounds. It's amazing. <laughs> all, at the brewery, all we do. Okay, guy. Yeah, of course, I'll get there. <laughs> oh my god. Legitimately, Tommy's amazing. If I call him and I need something, uh, he'll get there. He'll be like, "Yeah, Jimmy, I got you, man. Don't worry about it." <laughs> oh, all right, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, I just want to give a quick shout out. I, I reached out. I don't know if you guys are, you know, on this Facebook group. There's a Facebook group called Craft Beer Fans in Virginia or sort of Virginia Craft Beer Fans or something like that. So, um, you know, prior to this conversation, I actually put a little thing out there and said, hey, you know, we're interviewing a local brewery um, in North, they're like Norfolk slash Virginia Beach. Um, you know, what kind of questions would you guys, what, what things would you be interested to know about? So this came as a response to a lot of different people responding. Well, number one, we got a ton of comments on that. Um, and one of the big themes there was COVID, of course, topical, relevant. Um, so they're interested, you know, in impacts of COVID, but not necessarily just like shutting down the, you know, the, uh, tap rooms and things like that, but what impacts have there been, or have you guys seen on supplies and ingredients and things like that? Like has COVID affected the people who are producing the hops, producing the malts, you know, have you had to change suppliers? Have you had to, you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, but has it had any kind of impact on the brewing side of the business? Uh, the number one impact is aluminum cans, like hands down, like it's not even close. Uh, so to address the other things like malt, no, like maybe a small hiccup or two just because of shipments and like hops, no. Um, yeast I get from a provider in Virginia. So that's not an issue either. But cans is like a tremendous problem. So um, with COVID, so many more people were drinking uh, in their homes. They weren't drinking out at bars anymore. So, uh, yeah. you know, we were using a bunch. Uh, our our draft, our package sales went up tremendously, as most people did for BI. Uh, we've seen through the BI. But um, right now, we're still having issues. Luckily, I have a lot of printed cans for 12 ounce. All my limiteds are in 16 ounce and 16 ounce aren't really in a short supply because the reason 12 ounce are in short supply is because of Pepsi and Coke, you know, they're, Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're one of our providers. We try to reach out and they're like, yeah, we're not taking new orders at this current time. Like that's just kind of the way it is. So, um, I'm part of a couple of things on Facebook, uh, just like people borrowing 12 ounce cans, like left and right or trying to get 12 ounce cans left and right. Um, so, so to like recycle them to reuse them yeah so like uh or just like you know i had a partial pallet uh and i had it for a while and one of my friends needed it out in charlottesville and i told him he could have it this is like you know a while ago we brewers always help brewers that's yeah always going to be the case if brewers don't if a brewer never helps another brewer then like they just get shunned they're not going to be part of us they're not going to help us so um so anyways uh, you know we help each other out for that kind of stuff but it got to a point where like you know, because uh, maybe only needed a couple layers of it. It just, you know, we can't, I can't help anybody else out with 12 ounce cans. I can help somebody out with 16 ounce cans because I have a little bit of stockpile. 
but not that much. It's more just to like make sure we can get through this kind of thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's scary to be honest. So is there like a tipping point where you would switch to bottles, or is no. the cost just too? No, it's, I, I have the machinery to do cans. So like in Hampton Roads, we were the first brewery to be canning. So like we've been canned since the day we could put beer on shelves. Uh, so to do a brewery or to do a can or bottle, um, I, I just don't have the machine. So there's another brewery wow. I know that, uh, you know, they're running too. They have canning and bottling and they thought about switching over to canning more products and then luckily for them they can switch and be like now we're going to switch, stick with bottles for you know until this whole thing rolls over so got it okay yeah so i mean is there anything that you know you go to the store now and it's like hey there's a national coin shortage so unless you give us unless you want to donate to the cause and give us an extra 67 cents then we can't accept your cash right right um is there is there an equivalent to beer buying like if i you know obviously I went to the to the brewery and bought this 16 ounce can. Reese went to Total Wine and got his or somewhere, right? Total Wine. Total Wine, yeah. Um got and got his smart like can you can us as consumers do anything to like help the can shortage? Like can you recycle take these back to a brewery and like recycle these somehow or no. is that uh, the, thing? The one thing there's like what, 300 million people listen to this podcast. If everyone will yeah, stop approximately. Yeah. If everybody on a bad day. stops drinking Coke <laughs> and Pepsi for like a month then maybe they won't make as many. And then like, totally that would probably help a lot of breweries. <laughs> okay. We'll try to get the word out. Right, I appreciate that. Out. Thank you. We got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> that's, start that's the, that's the idea for our first t-shirt from the ginger and the beard. It just says drink less. It's like the Chick-fil-A thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. drink more craft beer, less Pepsi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by the ginger and the beard. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's unfortunate, man. Like I wish there was something that, cause I'm sure like, that's the one thing you mentioned, like brewers help brewers. You know, like the one thing that Reese and I have both agreed on is like being now like in more ingrained in this like craft beer culture, mm-hmm. you know, and talking to people who are all about it. It's like it's such a, an amazing community, man. Like people are not people are so friendly. Mm-hmm. They're not assholes. Like we're in the U- we like follow the MMA and UFC community. Complete opposite. Oh, yeah, people yeah. are just like it alpha, is. I don't know what it is. Alpha, you know, yeah, yeah it's all alpha people. Um, but on the craft beer spectrum, man, everybody seems to be super willing to help out, you know people love to support their local brewery. So it's unfortunate. There's nothing that we could actually do to give back, you know, yeah. besides continuing to be patrons, obviously, but yeah. um, no, that's by far the best thing you can do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, for us hitting tasting rooms, it's obviously huge. That's helping us uh, buying beer from the tasting room is obviously great in any fashion you can do it. So, yeah. And I mean, you guys sell, I know crowlers are a big thing now. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do you guys do growler fills? We do. The whole COVID thing has definitely changed it. But prior to that, yeah, we were doing growlers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been having trouble getting a growler filled anywhere I've gone. You know, unless I buy it directly from them, they won't Yeah. You know, they won't fill mine, you know. Yeah. Which I understand. They don't want to, you know, take somebody's that's been, you know, been in their house and has germs all over it. Who knows? Right. Are it's, you guys good? Are you guys doing tastings? Because um, I well, think that's another thing that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, so for us, uh, it still made sense to stick with plastic, which is an internal debate all the time. So that definitely eliminated a lot of things of like, you know, we don't do flights right now. Uh, um, so it, it definitely has changed the way we've had to do things. Uh, so. 
Let's get that. Let's get that thing cured. Let's get this going, man. I want. Yeah. I want some growlers. I want some flights. <laughs> you know. Definitely. Awesome. Well, so you know, a lot of breweries. This is another one that came up, interestingly enough, um, from the Facebook page, and I, I, I thought this was kind of interesting. So, a lot of breweries are putting out these specially released small batch beers, and there's like this subculture of reselling. Yeah. beers so i know like on the bourbon i know i got i have a friend who's like all about bourbon and like the bourbon resale market is like ridiculous you can buy like a 40 dollar bo- bottle of bourbon and resell it for like 600 dollars. um it might not be the exact same for the on the beer spectrum but it is out there it is happening some beers go for hundreds of dollars sing- for like single beers um you know and the, you mentioned it earlier you brought it up you knew it was coming you saw it a mile away i wanted to talk about saturday morning um so this was a huge thing in Hampton Roads. People were lined up around the buildings, down the block, to get their hands on some Saturday morning marshmallow IPA. Which uh, Reese, if you hadn't seen this one, it's it was essentially a Lucky Charms, you know, theme. Okay. You can't obviously say Lucky Charms, but that's what it, the, the theme was. Theme was it was marshmallows big, and rainbows, mm-hmm. pink yeah. ones. Got it. Chase the rainbows. Um, so I'm curious, like, what was your? Were you with Smart Mouth when that was? created were you the mastermind behind that yes <laughs> yes yeah. i mean it's yeah everything from smart as a team but yeah i'm i mean i've been there since you know th- month three so i've been there the whole time but yeah, yeah. uh yeah it was kind of crazy um i i didn't really think it was going to keep growing the way it did but it kept being picked up by publications all over the place so um it was fun we did a second year it was fun so i i mean that beer got thrown around a couple times. Uh, I mean, I have no problem saying it. Like I said it one year and then I was told, Jimmy, that's a silly idea. And then I was like, okay. And then, <laughs> which is really nice. Cause I, I have silly ideas all the time. So I was just like, okay, let's do this other silly idea. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that one instead. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. I'm a child. As long as you say yes to me sooner or later, I'll totally be fine. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it was amazing to be part of, uh, the resale market was crazy. Um, I, I to be honest, I had it in a personal level. Like I brought one, to, I brought a four pack to a barbecue, and somebody was like, uh, some person I didn't know. They're like, "Do you know what this is?" And they didn't know who I was. I was like, "Yeah, I know what that is." <laughs> they're like, "Do you know how much this is worth?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know how much this is worth." And they're like, "Can I have one?" And I was like, "Sure, whatever, I don't." <laughs> like, but to be honest, like I just thought it was funny, and I get to tell this story, and I just got to like. Uh, I was a part of that experience because by that point, you know, all my friends already had one. And this lady who I grew to know, I was just like, yeah, sell it. See what it ever happens. And she sold it for a hundred bucks. And I was like, that's silly that you got something. Wow. And then you sold it for a hundred bucks. So uh, the resale market, it's always going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen for everything in the world. So uh, there's nothing we can really do to stop it. I've seen breweries try it. Russian Rivers tried it with Pliny and it's still going to happen. So um yeah it's unfortunate because obviously the breweries would like to see that money but if i charged 500 dollars for something people would be like that's not gonna happen <laughs> of course. so uh but you know it's fine it's like yeah. pappy van winkle yeah. which retails at like 300 dollars, but you know aftermarket it basically you're not going to get a bottle for less than like two grand yep you know and i do i do the abc for pappy every year and uh I won't sell it because I just enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, I totally understand, you know, people, I'm not driven by money. That's, 
I'm a brewer. Yeah. No brewers are driven by money. So yeah, uh, I want to I think, experience it. I think a part of that market though, is the fact that like, it's, you know, people that are in California don't have access to, mm-hmm. you know, they probably don't have access to Saturday morning marshmallow, right? Like, yeah. so they're willing yeah. to, to trade online or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother at one point, actually, um, West of Letter in 12, which I'm, you know, yeah. anybody that knows about beer knows that you can't get that here because it's, it's overseas. Um, and he actually got somebody to smuggle some in, um, you wow. know, and I actually got to try it, which was pretty cool. But so it's just like, it's, it's, it's that, that level, like beer is that important, you know, to people yeah. To, yeah. to try these new and interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. And people, really cool. you know, a lot of people we've networked with on, on Instagram and Facebook, they're all super willing, like I said, to like send you some stuff. Like if there's some stuff you can't get or some stuff they can't get, you know, like trades, trades are a huge thing. It's like, Hey man, like let's show me what you got. Open up your beer fridge. I'll show you mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like some, some guys up in North Dakota, I think North Dakota is where Drecker, Drecker brewing is. Um, they're one of the ones that create these like ridiculous, you know, fruit packed full of fruit, smoothie, sour IPA, whatever, like these most ridiculous looking beers. And, uh, they don't distribute anywhere outside of, I don't think it goes further than Pennsylvania. Maybe I can't remember, but, um, anyways, these guys have offered to like send us some for trades, but it's so hard as a consumer to ship beer. Mm-hmm. It's, technically not legal mm-hmm. um you have to go all through all these loopholes to, to send stuff out and it costs a bunch of money to send a package that's that heavy yep so i wish that was like some regulations loosened up i think the covid thing obviously it was a terrible terrible thing for businesses and for people alike but like one of the cool things one of the benefits is that you know to go beers became a thing or yep um you know i think delivery i guess breweries maybe are allowed to deliver now um yeah it was a couple, they we before. did it for a while yeah uh it definitely it works for some breweries too just in terms of how much they did yeah exactly so there's one thing i wanted to ask about so like i said i i visited the pilot house in virginia beach uh this past weekend and i noticed a few oak barrels yeah um you know in the facility with the rd wilhelm reverend spirits logo on there and the only reason i'm super interested in that is because i worked at an agency where we uh the agency designed their branding oh yeah and uh for carl we're with yeah yeah for carl and eric yeah and um so i instantly just like oh my gosh that's super cool so i went and asked the the guy at the bar and he wasn't exactly sure what you know what was what was in there um so i wanted to ask you about it if and if you can't tell us because obviously i know no it's fine make- actually that beer already came out uh, i just have the barrel still in there that was um uh claris so i made a uh you know what a hot toddy is it's like a bourbon lemonade like drink Mm -hmm. with cinnamon yeah so uh i made my taste room manager clint it's one of his favorite beer styles so i wanted to make a beer or is one of his favorite drink styles so um i wanted to make a beer that tastes like a hot toddy so that came out but uh carl's uh that that distillery is like four blocks away from my north facility so yeah, uh, I legit actually just reached out to him again to get more barrels from uh, for a project I have going for next December. So usually I age everything for about a year in barrels, um, typically, wow. um, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes a little bit less, depending on what I'm trying to make through it. So um, but if you were there, you probably I mean, there was some Rappahannock cellars, some red wine barrels, and I'm making mm-hmm. yep. Um, a beer there's a, a german style drink it's called glue vine it's wine with brandy um and i'm making it comes out black friday uh a glue vine style beer um uh, 
But at the pilot house, I have a bunch of barrels. Uh, I actually just, we're starting to mess with Brett a little bit. Um, so Brett and Mices. And so we just packaged a bunch, but I just filled uh, farmhouse table style Brett beer and that went to barrels. So that'll sit in there for until it's kind of ready. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Are you familiar with that, Reese? No. What? No. With Brett? Brett beer? Oh, Brett. No. Yeah. So Brett is like a it's a funk it's really not souring um but like it's nice and funky i'm trying to think of like commercial styles uh sierra nevada has some brett beers um virginia beer company who's in williamsburg they have some brett beers uh so it's has a little bit of kind of like funk character to it it actually eats up sugars just like uh your typical brewer's yeast so it'll sit in there for a while um and for us, the way we're doing it is we will make a base style beer. We'll throw it into barrels with some Brett and then it'll go ahead and chew it all down. So they're typically super dry and you get like different types of flavors. So we just bottled one and that will have like kind of like some farmhousey hay kind of qualities to it because it has some Saison with it as well. Uh, yeah. So I. So nice. Yeah. Would it be it would be labeled as a Brett beer then? Yeah, uh, so okay. the first two will be uh, Brett Saison, uh, and the other one's a Brett Saison uh, with peaches. Um, and then, hmm. I mean, I have a bunch of others going. So it's it's that's my newest, like, fun project. Me and my team have never messed with Brett. Uh, we've never messed with any of the, like, bugs, as they would say, for uh, brewing. So I just filled last year a beer that'll sit around for probably, like, two to three years. Uh, before it's ready and then my lead brewer wants to make an oud brun and that's going to sit around for like two years so uh awesome. I, I try to include my staff in trying to make as many things as possible because i don't want to take all the fun so jared my lead brewer is an amazing guy and i, I was like hey dude i got you two burn barrels and you're going to make whatever oud brun you want do it up so he just brewed that he just brewed the first part of it today and it'll go into barrels probably in like two weeks and then We'll maybe see it in like two years. So, oh, that's man. insane, man. Yeah, we got to keep our eyes out. And AJ, you got to pick up that Brett and save <laughs> All right, me. Hold save on, me I'm gonna set a calendar reminder yeah. for two years from now. now <laughs> uh, the Brett beer will come out hopefully before the end of the year. So we're bottle conditioning them as we speak. So that's awesome. Sweet. Okay, that's really cool. Well, you kind of answered our last question, which was what is on the horizon for Smart Mouth. But um, <laughs> I just like on a personal note, have you guys ever done like a like a barley wine or you know, a quad or anything like that? Uh, so barley wine, no. And the, one of the reasons was our president hates barley wines. Uh, so <laughs> I try to like, you know, he doesn't like them. And this is prior to the pilot house. So, uh, you know, it, it's a big brewery. It's a big brew house. So if I'm going to make something, it'd be a lot. Well, the pilot house is a lot smaller, so I can kind of mess around with things. Uh, so we're actually going to be making a barley wine in the next like two or three months to go into some barrels. And then I made a quad is actually my third beer I made at the pilot house. Um, nice. cause I love quads. Uh, yeah, me too. So we didn't make it last year. Last year I made, uh, a huge Bach instead. So I usually make something around this time, some big beefy thing that I kind of enjoy that you and I would enjoy. But like, to be honest, they're not sexy beers. They kind of like sit around for a little bit and I'm okay with that. So, uh, yeah. I want to drink those for a while. Uh, so I, I have crowlers of, I think both of them down in the fridge and they'll last for a while being that big in ABV. So 
Yeah. My wife and I will get one and just kind of hold on to it for a special day. And then yeah. when we're feeling right, we'll pop it out and all you really need is just <laughs> one. And so, you know, Oh yeah. yeah. No, it's awesome. It's, uh, my freeze or my fridge downstairs. I have tons of like big Imperial stouts, the same exact reason. Like, I mean, when I practice open, it's probably all I'm drinking that night. So yep. probably sit outside, listen to music, drink whatever that is and be completely fine. So good, good vibes. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's, you know, bringing us to a close. AJ, do you got anything else? No, I'm just glad you came on, man. It's just, it's really cool to, to talk to somebody local. It's got this kind of experience. And uh, like like I said, when we were communicating with you before the show, it's just Reese and I both are just all about educating ourselves and learning more about brewing. Um, you know, maybe we'll experiment a little bit on our own again one day in the future. But uh, Definitely until do. then, learning, learning from... Uh, you know, people who are in it and do it every single day. It's really cool. And I know our audience is going to be excited to, to hear about that as well. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. So uh, for the audience, if you are local to Hampton Roads or just passing through, make sure to check out Smart Mouth at either their Norfolk or Virginia Beach location. If you want to learn more about Smart Mouth and see what they're pouring, head to smartmouthbrewing.com or check them out on Instagram and Twitter uh, at their handle at smartmouthbeer. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, man. Thank you all for checking this episode out. And again, make sure you check out Smart Mouth if you're nearby. And thanks again, Jimmy, for coming on. And thanks, hopefully Jimmy. we'll keep this conversation going. And I'll definitely be seeing you at uh, either Norfolk or Virginia Beach sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. See you, everyone. See you.